Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to episode 20 of your favorite podcast about all things elite. Welcome to all things elite. I am your host Floyd Johnson and with me as always is my absolutely awesome co-host Amy O. How you doing Amy? I am doing great because we just watched one heck of an awesome show with Fighter Fest. <laughs> Yes, Fighter Fest literally went off about 15 minutes ago, maybe, and me and Amy are about to give you our full review and thoughts on it. Just know this is the first time either one of us has ever done this. We also got a bunch of questions. We thank everyone that sent in questions. We're going to try to get to them and try to, because some are, a couple are similar. We're going to try to answer them all at one time, but yeah, we're definitely going to get to everything because we appreciate because it's always better when the show is interactive with the people that are listening to it. So we definitely appreciate you going, uh, appreciate you sending in your messages. I'm like so excited because, again, it was like, it's a home run. It was another great show. What were your overall opinions of the show before we start individually? Overall, I thought this show was incredible. I mean, I went into this thinking, okay, this is... Fighter Fest, it's at like CEO Gaming Festival. <laughs> like I wasn't really sure what kind of build up this show was going to have because it didn't feel necessarily like their kickoff show like Double or Nothing or a big anniversary show like All Out. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I loved this show. It felt like watching Double or Nothing in the sense that it felt big and important and impactful and fun and really well paced and just all across the board. I really, really loved the show. Yes, I definitely agree. I gave the show an A on my letter grade scale. Uh, I 
don't think there were any boring parts of the show. Uh, I was just talking about how I looked up and it was like two hours had passed. I just it, it, they take my time seriously and they do they pack as much time things as they can into that time because with the pre-show it was a three and a half hour show. I tell I will tell you now there are episodes of a show on a certain company that's three hours that feels like it's six. So <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah I'm like I'm like I know this I am not gonna make this show about that show. So I'm just gonna say yeah but. They value your time and fit as much entertainment. They do as they uh, entertain you in a variety of different ways. So before we get to our match by match review, starting with buy-in, I just want to remind you uh, that this episode of All Things Lead is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV, where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries around the globe onto your laptop and mobile device. If you use the code Social Suplex, you get the first month free. And like I said, I you know don't plug. I mean, I don't go really further than that on Power Slam TV. But if you want to get back end and like see back matches of anybody on AEW roster a lot of them worked independence before so I'm pretty sure if you want to watch previous matches of them you can definitely catch that on Power Slam TV excellent well let's <laughs> get going we have a stacked show just like AEW had a stacked card now let's take the pre-show the buy-in so the first match that we have was a triple threat tag team match with private party versus scu and the best friends now i loved this match we talked about this before in the show that we did last week where we were talking about what to expect at fighter fest and we knew that this was going to be a great match but the thing that i loved about this match was that every team really had a chance to stand out and shine. And for me, all throughout this entire show, for the most part, each match had a winner and then also had a standout performer. And the best friends won this match, but for me, Private Party was the standout performer of this match. You had a crowd that was on their feet chanting for them. People were so excited about them. They were the talk of Twitter, and I love that this to me, really was a first impression of them. I know we saw them at the Battle Royale at Double or Nothing, but there were so many people out there that they kind of got lost in the mix. This time we got to see who Private Party is, what Private Party is, and how awesome Private Party is. Yes. Um, uh, they were, and I honestly thought, you know, being in there with four super veterans, you know, and them not being the name... Uh, being the known name, I thought they were going to do what they yeah, do what they can to make them look good. I don't think they needed a lot of help. There was this springboard backflip over the ropes spot that they did in the match, and I was just like, these dudes are smooth and they are really, really comfortable doing what they're doing. I one criticism, and I honestly think it just comes from being young. They don't. They're not filled out like the other four are. That's the best way to put it. They're not filled out. They just they're they looked very small compared to the other tag teams. Like I think yeah, it was think noticeably it was noticeably so. It was like I'm not a size really a size guy in wrestling. Like whatever, I don't care. Do your thing, you know. 
my favorite wrestler is Cody. He's not the biggest guy. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, I think he's 206 pounds. He He's very open about how much he weighs. It was just like them. They just look like, you know, they haven't. I, it, it's like they might not have done Or they're at the beginning of their journey to looking the right way. But, that they've got like a road ahead of them for development and yeah, building yes. up themselves. And them being a young tag team, that's great. Because, I mean, they got their first, you know, the first big AEW contract. I'm pretty sure the way they eat and the way they train is going to change completely from, you know, working independence. It's probably a little harder, you know, to, uh, you know, a harder, a little harder to stay in shape that you're supposed to. But that's the one thing I noticed. If there was a visible difference there. And if I'm going to talk about how awesome they are i have to look at the unfortunate negative but they were amazing and i think uh the four uh seu and best friends did amazing job of putting them in positions to succeed and i just thought that was awesome and i think scorpio and kazarian it was just like you know there was a couple times there were a couple communication issues in other matches, but in this match it just seemed like they knew exactly what was going on. The cutter is going to be a very popular move when these three teams fight are fighting each other, uh, and we got the hug. We got the we hug. We did, but we didn't get the rainmaker shot with oh. the hug. <laughs> yes, you got to do the rainmaker shot with the hug. I saw your tweet and I was like retweet because I, I had that exact same thought of like. You gotta come out. It's gotta look like this epic moment. Uh, yeah, um, the man. I, I I saw one spot I'd never seen, uh, and I didn't write down the names, but they had him in the camel clutch, and he jumped over his back and double stomped him to the ground. Like I've been watching wrestling thirty years, so stuff I haven't seen is kind of hard. I just thought that was impressive. I just wanted. To, I literally wrote that down in the notebook so I would make a comment about it. Yeah, this match was absolutely amazing. I loved how flawless SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky look. They looked incredible. The best friends, of course, looked like an established, awesome tag team. Private Party came out looking like just an explosively awesome tag team. This ended up being a showcase of what the tag team division is about in AEW. Because, of course, we have the Young Bucks, and of course we have the Lucha Brothers, but they get a lot of attention due to the main events that they've been having. But having something like this opening up the show to showcase that kind of talent and that kind of excitement, especially as they start talking more and more about you know this tag team tournament that they're going to be holding, I was all about this match. This was a great way to kick off the show. Absolutely. And anyone, I, I, I saw comments, I saw the negative ones, and I saw some people were like, well, you know, the pre-show as a whole wasn't good. But I'm like, they have very much clear, made it kind of clear that they're going to do a variety show. And most of the comedic stuff is done during the pre-show. And then you get the serious wrestling doing the live show. And I can handle that. You know what I mean? I don't mind it being doing the live show because I actually like comedy wrestling. But if you looked at how this was formatted, they really got the actual intentionally funny stuff out of the way during the buy-in. Yeah, and I actually really appreciate that because you get two separate kinds of shows within the same big show. And I like that it gives you a reprieve and something that's silly and fun and joyful 
to watch before you start getting into the heavy hitting stuff, whether it's, you know, the heavy hitting emotional or the hardcore or any of that, you get a nice reprieve from that. And I can understand how if in a pre-show the goal is to advertise the rest of the show in hopes that people who haven't already jumped in to buy it would buy it, that's kind of odd, <laughs> an odd juxtaposition because the pre-show is so different from the main show. But I personally love this format. I love the flow. I love that it gets you into the fun and gets the crowd going and gets me going before the heavy hitting stuff of the main show starts. Yes. And they, I mean, they gave you a serious, exciting match. I was like, I mean, like I said, I don't know a lot of, I do stars. I do do the star ratings. And I was like, man, I would say this was a 3.75 four star match. I thought it was exciting. It kept a good pace. It told a story at the very beginning with uh, Private Party. The whole physical size thing. They told the story that they were a little smaller than the other tag teams. And they were going to have to use their speed and their skill to uh, get, you know, to uh, keep up with them. Because they had the physical size difference. And I thought that told a brilliant story. And I told the, they also told the story of SCU and best friends not liking private party the young guys and kind of bullying them until they kind of turned on each other and then it went to back to being a triple threat match because they kind of hit some moves and got the respect in the middle of the match again yeah absolutely and they sure did i mean again that's one of the things that everybody was talking about on twitter was just how great this team is and i love that we get these moments of introduction for people who get to see these people that are new to them, see them wrestle, see what they're about, see what the excitement is, and really get to kind of grow attached just from the actual journey of getting to know them this way. I really love it. Yeah, Quinn hit a shooting star press that might be my new student shooting star, favorite shooting star press in wrestling. He just like floated and hung in the air so long and it was so beautiful and he landed the way he was supposed to land. I just thought it was took amazing body control to pull off. In the end though, it was best friends going to 2 and 0 when they hit the strong 0. To get the uh, pin on one of Private Party. I, I know Isaiah is the less, he's the skinnier one. And Quinn is the little thicker. Or, yeah, he's the dude that was in the orange jumpsuit, I think. There you go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But probably a better a better uh, description than the one I gave. But they end up getting the pinfall. And like I said, it's like, if, if you look at the best friends, they're really establishing them as one of those elite tag teams. Because they're 2-0. and you know, wins and losses matter. And they've won both of their matches. And so, yeah, and it looks like we're not, you know, we're not just going to get uh, only them fighting for the tag belts. What happened after the match, Amy? We had the Dark Order appeared on screen after the match to send another challenge to the best friends. We had the lights go out and commentary said, hey. The Dark Order can control the lights in this arena. And then they come back on, and everybody's around the ring. And then they turn off again, and they're gone. So I think we're going to have a feud with the best friends and the Dark Order. So what do you I mean? I, I'm really looking forward to this feud because everyone tells me how good this tag team is. The Super Smash Brothers, a.k.a. the Dark Order. And I love a great tag team feud. I love, to me, that's how you establish 
uh, a brand. To I mean, like a uh, division. Like you can have the champions battling battling the challengers. That's great. But in other companies, that's really all you get in a tag team division. What they're doing now is establishing a, a alternate feud other than the tag belts. It'll eventually be for the tag belts, but this is an alternate feud outside of the tag title chase, which that's what builds a division, is when you have feuds that are not for the title. Just like in the singles division, not every feud in the singles division is towards a title. You need to have those in the tag division. You need to have that in the women's division. That's how you actually establish a division. Oh, for sure. And also... You know, another aspect of this that's great is that you have a way to introduce people to this new team because I've never seen the Super Smash Brothers before. I know a lot of people have, but when you have a company that's filled with, relatively speaking, a lot of new talent that's new to a lot of people, having new teams come in, they can kind of get lost in the shuffle because there are already so many new to us people on the roster. So building them up with having these video packages and kind of having these lights out surprises ends up allowing for a lot more intrigue. So when they do finally make it into the ring for their feud to sort of develop and culminate, then you have some excitement that's built up into this match that may not otherwise have been there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like I am immediately intrigued with the Dark Order, how they're going to affect how they're going to affect the best friends going forward. How much interference are we going to get from the new people? Uh, how's it going to work out when it comes to the tag team titles? It's just like you, in that little segment, you have just made me so intrigued on this feud. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I really can't wait to see where it goes and whether or not we're going to get some of this at All Out. Maybe we might see the best friends mixing it up with the Dark Order. Um, let's move on to Ali Elite versus Leva Bates. So this is when we have the librarians come out. Now, I thought this match was advertised to be Kylie Ray versus Leva Bates. That's, I saw that everywhere. I yeah, never saw the name Allie. No, me either. And they didn't explain Kylie's absence, but okay. So we have Allie. <laughs> and we have a situation where... Leva Bates is coming out, and of course she's the librarian, and then you have these kind of dual shh, shh, shh things happening, and it turns out that Peter Avalon is hiding in one of the uh, rescue FEMA tents that they have for Fighter Fest, and then he ends up going ballistic and like decapitating a mannequin and destroying the tent and throwing it in the pool, and he just kind of goes on this weird rampage. This match was interesting because like I love the librarian gimmick and as somebody who works in libraries I think it's fantastic but oddly enough this particular situation didn't hit the marks for me and I'm not quite sure why I like their interactions together but it didn't feel like it was as strong as what we had already seen with the tag team match and what we were going to see with the rest of the show. So it just kind of felt off. So I think that the librarian gimmick is something that can work really well, but I think that, you know, 
it's something that could take some work and could take some practice and could take some kind of bouncing ideas around to fully develop that. That's not a complete criticism on Leva or Peter or AEW. It's just an opportunity to look at something that could have some improvement and see what they can do to develop that from there. All I can say, the nicest thing I can say about this match is Allie and Leva lacked chemistry. <laughs> Okay, I was trying to say this in the nicest way possible. It's like they, they lacked chemistry. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, because even when... Okay, Leva had about three spots that looked really good. She got the pedigree off. I thought that was good. But all of the rest of her offense looked weak and slow to me. And I don't know if that was a not being very familiar with Allie. Maybe this whole Kylie thing was a last-minute substitution, and she didn't know she was going to be working her. But I know Lee has been wrestling for a while now. It just felt like she really felt like the slow one on the group. And I'm like, I, I like Leva Bates. I actually, the librarian gimmick is funny. It's just, when you're, this is the first singles women's match in AEW history. And I don't want people to think that's going to be the quality. Thankfully, I think that, and we'll talk about this later, the the next women's match, I think in everybody's mind, will be the first meaningful one. But I totally agree. And, you know, I I like Ali uh, Ali Elite. I keep almost wanting to call her Ali Impact. So if I if I misstep on that, I apologize. I like Ali. I like Leva. I was really excited to see them wrestle once I realized that it wasn't going to be Kylie, it was going to be Allie instead. Um, I think individually they're both great wrestlers, but for some reason tonight they didn't click. And maybe you're right, maybe it was because it was a last minute um, change. Maybe that threw off the game. Right. But it seemed like things were just thrown off and there wasn't the air of confidence, there wasn't the air of like professionalism. Um, not saying that either of them aren't, but it just felt off. It, it, I, it seemed like Allie was just way better than Leva, and she couldn't bring her up to right. where she was. And that's what it felt like to me. I understand, like, replacing Allie makes sense, because now they're building to the fight for the following match with Brandy. They had the little TV thing where she's actually looking at the TV and scouting the match. That was great. But like I said... It's just, and the librarian stuff, I actually like. I think it's silly. I think it's fun. I think you need some likeness on your uh, TV shows. No matter what, I think you need people like that. Just like the WWE has our truth you need the li- you, you might not need the librarians, but you need something that is light. And her taking, her taking pinfalls doesn't hurt anything because she's more about the character than being a really competitive wrestler. So, all that. I can make sense of all that. It was just, it went from just kind of being a squash match, which I would have been okay with, to it was actively bad. (laughs) It did go longer than (laughs) it probably should have. (laughs) Yes, it was just like, wrap this up. Like I said, I am, you know me, I'm not a negative person. But the only way we can do this is to be honest. You know, I was really glad, though, because I was curious. There was only one match on this card that I was like, uh... And I was curious because we're both really positive people. 
and <laughs> I just don't think I'd be telling the. I, I, I don't think I would be telling the truth if I were raised, waved my magic positive wand on this match. It just <laughs> it was it literally wasn't good, and it is it was a match. I think Allie did her purpose, her winning. I like her super kick finisher. I th- I thought that was all great, and it established her character and the Brandy feud that's coming up. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. It's just this match from bell to bell sucked. Yeah, well, I hope that uh, <laughs> they're able to, you know, develop the ring work yeah. if that's going to be something that they're going to want to play with. I hope that they're able to kind of bounce ideas for the interactions of the librarians because I did think that there was promise in the kind of subterfuge. We actually talked about this last week that Peter Avalon may play a role in kind of throwing the match and he did. Um, But I think that perfecting that is going to be something that takes time and I'm willing to give them that, that time to figure that out. But it's definitely something that became quite apparent in watching it here. And I hope that that's something that they work on in the back until the next show. Comedy's not easy. You know, takes timing and working it into a match while still treating the match serious. It's a very slippery slope. So, you know, that does take work. And it's just like, it, you know, like the thing about like, we're going to talk about the next match in a second. You can see when comedy doesn't, you know, it, it's not all put together the correct way. And then you can see another match when it's completely put together the correct way. Oh, man. Let's talk about that match. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Okay. So this match was Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley, the CEO of CEO Gaming. Now, this match I was really excited about because we saw them at CEO Gaming last year. Alex Jabaley had a torn Achilles and was wearing a boot in that match. He wasn't able to actually effectively wrestle. And... So this time he was able to show all of the work that he's been putting in. And I got to say real quick, before we get into the fun and the comedy of this, for a guy who isn't a wrestler, you can tell he loves wrestling and has done the work to go into this ring in a wrestling match. This was watching a guy living his dream, and I loved it. I, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you can go on, but I absolutely agree with that. Oh, absolutely. No, please do, because this was, this was great, because the rest of it's going to be getting into the comedy, which we can touch on yeah, later. But yeah. I know you had some interesting points about Alex Jabaley, too, when we were talking about this last week. Yeah, I'm like, it, it, it's like, seriously, it's one of those things. I don't know, it kind of warms my heart. I'm like, this dude trained for an event, tore his Achilles, wasn't able to show what he has. You know, you having people like, why do you got this non-wrestler doing this? Why do you have this non-wrestler doing this? You know, why why is he in a match? Why is he on it all? This should be a dark match. Well, this guy busted his ass to come back from a major surgery. Achilles injury, major surgery. Come back, not only come back, and then train again to do the match again. Just think about this. Just think about if you want, you like, oh, I'm going to be a marathon runner, right? And you start training to run a marathon. And within the first half mile of your practice marathon, you tear your quad or your calf. You're probably never going to run marathons again. You're going to just say it's not meant to happen. 
and probably just not do that again. You might still work out, but you're you're probably going to give up on the dream of marathons. It happens to a lot of people. This dude tears his Achilles, major surgery, still trains and says, I'm still going to get back in the ring and try again. I, I don't care what you think about non-wrestlers wrestling or whatever. You have to commend that man for doing that. Just getting in that ring in front of thousands of people, in front of a pretty hardcore fan base that aren't going to let you suck without letting you know. Absolutely. And, like, he, you got to give this dude credit. He takes a spear from Michael Nakazawa off the apron and through a table. I'm not a wrestler. I'm not going through a table. No way. He takes a kendo stick to the back. He's actually legit doing moves in there. Yeah, and his body was slam was beautiful. He, you know, tucked the head under. It was great. I just thought, like I said, he's a non-wrestler. So I am not going to grade him like he's a wrestler. I'm going to grade him as he's a non-wrestler, you know, doing a match, doing a match. And it was, to me, awesome. I enjoyed it. I was having fun. I was laughing the whole time. I just thought he did a really good job. Oh, I fully agree. Now, I do know that some people didn't like this match as much because it was, you know, a comedy match. I loved it. I went into this match really nervous because I knew there was going to be a lot of hardcore wrestling on this card. And so I was like, oh, man, okay. We've got a hardcore wrestling match in the pre-show. All right. And I'm gearing myself up for it. I'm preparing myself to toughen up and watch the match. And we've got pink flamingos being used as weapons. We've got a near drowning in the inflatable pool. We've got, oh, are they going to be thumbtacks? No, they're Lego button things, but not Legos because those would actually be really sharp. These are like rounded button mm -hmm. things. Yes. This match was so fun. This was so great, especially to kind of alleviate that tension, at least for me personally, to alleviate that tension of gearing up for like a hardcore match. I loved that they had a hardcore match that turned into a comedy match that still had some hardcore elements in, into it. But I just thought this match was so fun. And I loved that it ended the way that it did where Michael Nakazawa was able to get his retribution from last year. I just thought this was a great match. And I, you know, I know that there are going to be reviews that are critical for this match. And I get that. But for me, this was fun. It was perfect. It was a great bit of variety in the pre-show before we get into that main card yeah and it, it, it's not your cup of tea it's not your cup of tea i mean it's that simple i mean you you know if you like comedy wrestling or if you don't like comedy wrestling i mean that's what it from what i from what i saw through our our collective twitters and i was going through everyone because i was kind of taking notes it just it was people that didn't like comedy wrestling and if you don't like comedy wrestling you're never going to like a Michael Nakazawa match. That's his whole gimmick. And that's why it works. Michael Nakazawa is a talented wrestler. And that's why he was able to work with Mike. Uh, you know, they put the people that they trust when you have people outside of wrestling like Alex Jabaley. I mean, he took a, a German suplex damn near on his head. And, you know, he pretty much did all the work on that move. <laughs> and it was just like... That's what you count on Michael Nakazawa to do. And I was like, yeah, I understand people are going to be like, well, I didn't like it. I get it. I get it. You're super serious. You're, And I don't even understand what wrestling you're watching. Because even in New Japan, there's Yano. You know? Yano's there. You know? Taichi. He's kind of, 
he 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 delves into the hillish bullshit sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're watching that there's no comedy in wrestling. I mean, at least we didn't see some guy pee his pants. Exactly. You did not see anybody pee his pants. The oil was as far as it goes. They did a little slip and fall thing. That was cool. Uh, Nakazawa got to win with a wrestling move, which was awesome. And now they're tied 1-1. So if they do the CEO show next year, you have another built-in feud, another preach match. And I don't understand why people are so upset about a pre-show match. It's a pre-show match. Yeah, I don't know, man. Pre-shows are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to build up the audience. They're supposed to, yeah. you know, get everything excited and ready to go. It's kind of like a party. I, I thought this pre-show, pre-show did a great job. This pre-show was the hype man of shows because that those fans were, by the end of this match, they were in a tizzy. They were excited, and you could tell for the rest of the night because it was you had the triple threat, and you saw them build up a little bit. Then you had the women's match, and they kind of checked out. And I felt like Michael Nakazawa and Jabaley brought them back and got set the pace for the whole rest of the show. Totally agreed. And the crowd was on fire Absolutely. the rest of the night. So the next match that we have is when the show kicks off proper, and this is after Michael Nakazawa, after Alex Jabaley, after the pre-show. We've got Shima versus Christopher Daniels. Now, we had this as I think we both had this as a sleeper match of the night. Now, there for me, it ended up being another match, <laughs> the, the, the next one that became the sleeper match of the night. But this match was still great. And one of the reasons why was because you were talking earlier about when you see moves that you've never seen before, it's always a great and fun thing. Well, Shima, there was this spot where they did the running through the ropes where Christopher Daniels um, does the leapfrog jump over Shima and then lays down. And usually people just kind of run over or skip over the person who's laying down on the ground. Shima instead does this like Superman dive where he's like a foot and a half above Christopher Daniels. And it just looked so cool. And it was such a subtle thing, but just something that I've never seen anybody do before. It was awesome. So that happened, I think, right at the outset of the match. And that really, for me, just set the tone of the whole thing. You have Christopher Daniels in there looking absolutely flawless. JR actually said that, um, you know, he's got athleticism, he's got accuracy, they're marksmen in the ring. And that was the perfect way to describe both of them. But for me, especially Christopher Daniels. Shima, as well, he is a marksman in the ring, but he has this really smooth, fast, and unique style. And I love seeing this unique flair to moves that, you know, we just get used to seeing, which is crazy to think we get used to seeing hurricanranas and we get used to seeing flips and all of these things. But he adds this really great style to them where it's it just looks completely new. And I loved watching this match because of that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I can't agree more. Can you hear me? I can't agree more. I thought I had pressed mute for a second. <laughs> I can't agree more. Uh, they're so smooth. It looks effortless at times. With uh, CD and Shima, they're just, they're always where they're supposed to be. And it is like, at times I was just watching it in like in awe of two people that have been doing this most of their life. You know, definitely all of their adult life, but most of their life. And it was just like, 
Yeah. Yeah, this is what wrestling's supposed to look like. Now, again, I don't think I got the emotional investment that I normally would in matches like these. That, uh, the, the emotional investment to make this, like, really steal the show. I think I really did happen on the next match. They did a really, really, really good job. And it, honestly, if the purpose was to build my excitement for Sheamus versus Kenny Omega, it definitely did that. Absolutely. I cannot wait to watch those two in the ring. Yes. I mean, I'm so excited. I went from not knowing anything about Shima to when he was announced going, huh, okay, who's this guy? And looking him up and then going, whoa, this dude's like a legend. Okay. And now after watching him just twice, it is incredible the amount of excitement that I have for his matches and putting him against someone like Kenny Omega, who's so diverse in his moveset and so able to adapt his style and so energetic. It's going to be spectacular to watch him and Shima together. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know where this match is going to be placed in a card, but I, it would suck to be whoever has to follow it because <laughs> uh, Shima, you know, you know, this is like he he is his audience is growing, right? You know, no one knew who he was before uh, Double or Nothing, right? I mean, no one as far as the casual AEW fan didn't know who he was. You know, there's hardcore wrestling fans that have seen every one of his matches. Then, so his audience built a little bit more going into this match with Christopher Daniels. Now he's going to really have his biggest audience because him and Kenny Omega is going to be one of the main matches on the show. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm glad that he's he's kind of building a following because I know he got a whole bunch of probably new fans this uh, in, from this show. I am definitely a fan of his. Uh, so you just imagine with him and Kenny Omega, I don't know if Kenny Omega can have a bad match, and I don't think Shima can either. So I'm literally looking forward to that. Oh, absolutely. Now, I am so excited to talk about the next match because this next match was, for me, that sleeper match of the night. There are great matches on the rest of the card, but this next match was the one that was a huge surprise, completely just took all the thunder and just magnified it. It was incredible. And this was the women's triple threat match of Nyla Rose, Yuka Sakazaki, and Riho. And one of the reasons why I'm so glad that this match ended up being so spectacular was because I was a little low-key concerned about the women's division matches. Um, I know that the Joshi six-woman tag team match at Double or Nothing was incredible. But the match that we had seen earlier with Ali and Leva wasn't all that great. And um, the match that we saw with Nyla at Double or Nothing, you know, we had, um, we had Awesome Kong come out too. So she also was a big, dominant, powerful woman. So that kind of ended up taking that kind of spotlight. So I was really curious to see how this match was going to stack up, how it was going to go, and I was completely blown away, literally from the entrance. Nyla comes out, she's got neon green skull mask thing over her um, lower half of her face, she's got this incredible outfit, she looks imposing and badass and awesome, and then she immediately sets the tone as being this powerful, 
dominant woman, but not in a slow kind of lumbering about the ring kind of way. She's fast. She's powerful. She's strong. I mean, those suplexes that she had um, with Yuka and Riho, those were awesome. She looked great. So I was just so impressed with Nyla in this match. Absolutely impressed with Yuka Sakazaki in this match. Absolutely impressed with Riho in this match. I loved that once again we had an opportunity for all three participants to get a chance to shine and showcase what they do best. And I thought they absolutely killed it in this match. Yes, um, I am. I, I, after the first show, I was a huge fan of Yuka. She even added more to that tonight. I thought these three worked really well together. I thought Nyla Rose played her role to a T. Her role is in this match, the story she was telling is she was the monster that wasn't taking her opponent seriously. She would she would celebrate a little too much. She would stop and enjoy her work. But then you just saw the freakish talent that she has when, you know, she springboard to the top rope and did the rope hung double knees and then she busted out a senton. She didn't hit it, but hey, it looks great. It looked great. And it was just like the way she moved around with Rio and Yuka and she sold well and she made them look like a million bucks. I think I mean I mean, seriously, she was the star of this match. Nyla was like, everybody was great, but she was kind of the glue. She made the other two look so much more impressive, which when you're a monster, that's what you're supposed to do. And I just oh, thought, I thought Yuka looked like a million bucks. I thought Rio looked like the technician that she is. And those uh, double T moves uh, when they were uh, working on her, it's like, and then she just do this slight movement and just throw them and I was just like man yeah that that's what I wanted to see uh from that first show and you know personally I came into this saying there's no way Nyla should lose but the way she did it and the story Jim Ross told I thought Jim Ross was brilliant during this match because he was telling the story of her helping getting along the story of her not taking the match series and how it could end up costing her and he kind of led us to the end but it made it make sense yeah the whole thing from the wrestling to the commentary was seamless and it put this perfect presentation of this match together i was on the opposite end i had wanted um yuka to win this because i know that they're gunning for the championship and they're going to be unveiling that at all out and so i was like oh dude it's got to be yuka but then as this match is happening, I'm like, okay, no, 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 hold everything, all Nyla, all the time, every day, forever. <laughs> like, I'm a huge Nyla Rose fan now. Like, that was amazing. I did like how it ended. Um, I loved the surprise roll-up with Riho. I also loved how Yuka continued with her just, she's so endearing and so charismatic. She looked so sad when she lost the match and just her head falling and being so crushed was just so sweet. So I love that they have so much personality that all three of them were able to showcase not even just their moves, but their personalities and really what they're going to be about in this women's division. I was so happy to see this match 
succeed in the way that it did. And I think it blew everyone's expectations out of the water. It certainly blew mine out of the water and I was rooting for it the whole time. But like, man, this was so cool. And <laughs> that was amazing. And then the aftermatch, it drove home the fact that wins and losses matter. Lila loses. She's pissed. I'm not shaking people's hands. She attacks. She attacks Rio. And then Yuka being the lovely happy person she is, she helps fight off Nyla. And then Rio's like, dude, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to fight. <laughs> Get off me. Don't help me. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to fight. I ain't she, Rio, they're building her as this tough person that can take a beating. And that's what happened in this match. And she's super serious. And she doesn't want to be friends with anyone. And I love it. I love Absolutely. it because when you're in competitive, you do have people like that. I do have, I've had people like that at work where we're competing. They're very clear. I don't want to be your friend. I'm here to destroy you. And hey, I can deal with it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm excited to see where this goes for yeah. the women's division. I think that, you know, with double or nothing, we got an introduction to everyone. And now we're starting to get into setting up storylines, setting up rivalries, setting up pathways that these wrestlers can take on their journey in AEW. And I think that's a really great um, showcase of that. And I think that they absolutely succeeded in doing this. Yeah, um, the, we, we, got a, we got a path to the, uh, the heavyweight title. We know when the tag team's titles are going to be decided, and that's going to be a tournament on TV. Now I want to. I know the women's title is going to be presented at All Out, but I am excited about how it's going to be decided. Absolutely. Now we also have after this, we've got you were speaking about pathways to the heavyweight championship. Well, this next match we've got Hangman Page versus MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy. MJF. <laughs> MJF, man. This guy is so good. Oh, my gosh. So AEW is like, okay, we have these guys. We trust our guys. We're going to send them out there with a rough idea of what their promos can be. They're going to go out there and do what they do best. Okay, got it. MJF is the shining star of All Elite Wrestling with his pr promo capabilities. There is nobody. I, I, don't, I can't even think of anybody in wrestling. That cuts a better promo than he does off the top of my head after watching this show. I could probably, if I sat there and thought about it for a while, but just off the cuff, he is so good. The freedom that they give him with his promos is everything because you can tell he's out there reacting. So there was a you suck chant. <laughs> and he says, you know, of course, this is the gamers. And this is a very pointed insult he's like you know your mom whose basement you live in she swallows <laughs> that was perfect for the audience that he was in and i and like it was you know people might be like it's crass this is definitely a tv 14 product so it was appropriate but the thing about it is it was for the audience that he was in it wasn't just some insult that you could just throw out anywhere this is a gaming convention all their friends, you know, professional gamers, all their friends think they sleep, uh, stay in their parents' basement and just play video games all day with Cheeto dust on them. That is a common joke. So he he made it to him. He uh, even 
Uh, he messed up some gamer terms, and you know how much gamers hate that. And it was just, he, it was so poignant. It was so built to his group. It's, he's, he's on another level for someone that young. Absolutely, and I loved how he eviscerated his opponents too. How he called Jungle Boy a little Tarzan, and then he got like the thirty or forty—I don't know how old he was—guy um, who still dresses in emo clothes and wears emo makeup, and then Seabiscuit. <laughs> I just—I loved it so much. Like he's setting up this whole situation where everybody hates him, and I, it felt like he was out there for quite a while too just eviscerating everybody and I love the freedom that he has that all of them have to react to the audience because one of the things that's really frustrating when you're listening to people cut promos is when the audience is is reacting to them and they're not allowed to react back it's like they're existing in a vacuum and in those instances those promos end up sounding out of place and don't make sense whereas in this case they're allowed the freedom to react to sort of improvise and come off the cuff with things that do make sense that make these promos better and just a heck of a lot more fun to listen to. Yeah, he like I said, it's just his reactions. He he lets the he he lets the audience react. He has a great timing with that, letting them boom. And he's like, "Are you going to seriously talk when I'm talking?" Something as simple as that made them boo him more. And he's one of those people. He draws the right type of heat. People will pay to see him get beat up. Yes. <laughs> which is the goal of old school heel work, is that people wanted to pay to see you get beat up. And I, and I, and like and it was like I knew what it was knew what was coming when he got the mic in his hand and he still impressed me. I knew he was just gonna tear down the guys, but he just did it so good. I, I just love him. I could watch him cut promos on people. He could pro cut a promo on me, and I would hate it. I would hate him, but love it. Yes. No, it was it was awesome. And, that, you know, I also loved, like, that, again, this ended up being a situation where everybody got the chance to shine. So MJF, his skill is in being an absolute jerk, and he does that so well. Um, but then we also have, you know, Hangman Page coming out looking like the star that AEW is building him up to be. He looked fantastic out there. Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy coming out on Luchasaurus's shoulders. That was so great. The crowd popped so hard for that. I love them as a team. And Jimmy Havoc coming out. Jimmy Havoc is a guy that everybody is really excited about being in AEW. And, you know, I, I would love to see him in a singles match at some point so I can get to know him more. But he was great in this match. For me, the standouts for this match, of course, vocally were MJF. But um, Jungle Boy was really great in this match. And for a guy who is called Jungle Boy... Like, it's hard to take that seriously when I'm saying that out loud. But, man, watching him, you just want to believe in him. He's great. He's fast. He's flippy. He's athletic. He's charismatic. He doesn't even have to say a word. And he's so emotive with his face and with his interactions with Luchasaurus. So having that happen in this match where you get to see people, again, shine in new ways was just a blast. I loved how strong Paige looked here. I also loved how they kind of delayed 
the Hangman Page MJF interactions until towards the end of the match, where then we got to have that payoff and have them standing in the ring and trading blows back and forth. I liked that they delayed that a bit. This match was a lot of fun. Yes, um, I, I, I completely agree. Jungle Boy did this flip on the outside of the ring where he like hit his knees first and then flipped over. And look, that was just completely sick. Uh, he's smaller than other people, so but I like how he was using that to his advantage. Uh, you know, going to the ropes and uh, using the leverage that uh, hilarious him coming out on Luchasaurus's uh, shoulders, and then they had the spot on the outside of the ring where. Uh, I guess MJF hit him, and he was behind, uh, Luchasaurus was behind him, and he just went back. He went back on his shoulder and like in that uh, Tower of Doom, but he went all the way back, and then he popped up, which takes incredible body control, and then got back in the ring. I just think this whole thing between the boy and his dinosaur is going to be amazing. Uh, and I just thought Luchasaurus played his role really well, and I think I think that. I, I think the person that kind of got lost in the shuffle was Jimmy Havoc tonight. And it's going to happen in Fatal 4-Way matches. I think he's a really good wrestler. I enjoy Jimmy Havoc. I've watched him, like I said, of the four. I've seen him wrestle more than all of them combined. But I think when they made the moxley Janela unsanctioned match, like it was going to be super hardcore. And then you had the Jabaley nakazawa match that was going to be hardcore. I think think they toned down his hardcore side for this match to make those moments bigger yeah that makes sense and I do agree that he got a little lost in the shuffle so I'm excited to see what's next for him because I don't really feel like I've gotten a chance to really see what he is about and what he does and really get to know him and his story and I'm excited to get to see that at some point point. and again you know it's each show so far has had a moment where we get introduced to new to us people. So I'm looking forward for that moment for Jimmy Havoc. For this one tonight, for me, this match was all about Jungle Boy. It, and it, I'm so glad that Paige won. Yeah, but I, it was all about Jungle Boy. Yeah, I feel like that was almost like a directive. Get Jungle Boy over because the three of them work collectively to make him look as good as possible. But Hangman was definitely the star of this match. He was definitely the strong one. And MJF was definitely the asshole of the match. They all had their roles. Havoc's a crafty veteran. He probably was like, okay, there's a lot of wrestling to go. Let's just make it about you three tonight. I'll have my time. Absolutely. And <laughs> speaking of more wrestling, the next match was insane. I had no idea what to expect in this match. I didn't really know Darby Allen very well. Um, but we had Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. Darby Allen comes out with what appears to be a body bag with Cody's name on it. And he comes out to the ring. He unveils his, you know, half. Um, dead face and then he goes and sits down in the ring in the corner while Cody comes out doing his American nightmare entrance he's the hero of double or nothing he's the hero of fighter fest the hero of all elite wrestling he's got everything in the world he is showboating like you wouldn't believe and you've just got Darby Allen blending in fading into the background lost amongst the noise just watching and I loved 
how that set up the story in this match. This match was so good. It was all about Darby Allen proving himself. It was all about Darby Allen, like you said last week, doing everything he could to climb up on top of this match. And if they're setting out to put Darby Allen over, which is what really their role was in this in this match. It was we're watching Cody Rhodes turn himself from the hero of all elite wrestling into the dastardly heel of this match. And he's so masterful with his character work that he's able to accomplish that, which is always impressive. But that's what he had to do. He had to be the person to be the bad guy in this match so that Darby Allen could shine. And I think they executed that perfectly. Yeah, back in the 70s and 70s and 80s, uh, Ric Flair, when they were trying to get a new guy over and uh, he would come to your town or whatever as the NWA champion, then they'd have him against the new guy and everybody would think he's going to just destroy him. And then they'd go a 60-minute time limit draw. And what that would do is Ric Flair is still the champion or whatever, but it would make the other guy look good without, you know, making them look too good, right? That would make him like, oh, he came that close to beating the champ. Now, the next time they wrestle, Ric Flair would win or whatever, but that would that would show that he's a future star. Honestly, in Oklahoma City or in Oklahoma, Mid-South Territory, it was Ted DiBiase. It was a young Ted DiBiase. Uh, him and Ric Flair uh, wrestled to a few 60-minute uh, draws, and that's how he kind of became Ted DiBiase. Well, in this case, this is a very old-school way of telling a story. Cody's looking past uh, Darby Allen. Darby Allen's not on his level. He's much bigger than Darby Allen. He's been wrestling longer than Darby Allen. There's no way Darby Allen should hang with him. So, you know, they tell the story of Darby just being a little bit faster and being a little bit better than Cody uh, Cody is. And then he slaps Darby Allen to say, get back in your place. And it was and then after that, and then once they started working the hand, Darby Allen was fast and crafty, and he's so he is willing to bump like crazy. I never want him in a match with uh, John Moxley, like in that kind of match, because he might die. I know that I think they did something for Northeast Wrestling, but I didn't watch it. So yeah, so I will wait. It's just this dude can bump like crazy, and Cody made him look like a million bucks, while Cody still looked strong. And they did a good job of telling us how much time was left. So once they started doing that, I kind of had a feeling that might be where it was going. But they still did a good job. I did not. I, I, I really, you don't get time limit draws in wrestling that often. And I hope it's a trend they might be bringing back in a rare type of way. Oh, me too. I was elated that we had a time limit draw. I haven't seen a time limit draw in wrestling I want to say in a year and a half, maybe. I think it was a Kenny Okada match yeah. that was a time limit draw. Now, this the end of this match was insane because you have Darby Allen going for an elbow drop and Cody moves out of the way. Darby lands on his spine on the corner of the apron. And I'm like, oh my God, like, is he okay? Dude gets up and then gets zipped into the body bag that he brought out for Cody. So now Darby's in the body bag. 
Then he takes a bump and then kicks out. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on? Oh my gosh. So then they have the draw and then crazy stuff goes down. So then we have Sean Spears coming out with the chair and he hits Cody Rhodes in the head. Now, this there's a couple of things I'm going to say about this. The first thing I'm going to say is pretty sure Cody bladed on that. He did? Because I think, I think he did. I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. That's kind of why I was like, I don't know if this is a work or not as far as the blood. Because the camera was away from Cody for a long time. And I know Cody likes to blade. At All In and Double or Nothing, there were blade jobs involved. And I know that that's something that they like to do. He may not have bladed. And if he didn't blade, then that's even crazier. But in spite of whether he bladed or not, the chair shot to the head, dude. Like, I just am so not a fan of that. And I know that that's going to bring this down a little bit. But I'm not going to go too far into it. Just going to say that, like, I'm fine with chairs. <laughs> I'm fine with chair shots. I'm not fine with unprotected chair shots to the head because that makes me, as a viewer, feel complicit in long-term damage that we know could happen. And I was so grateful that JR started at least mentioning the words CTE on commentary because I think it's so important that if we're going to watch something like that, that we're aware of what the context is. And I think that's really important to at least be honest enough to bring that up. I am 99% sure Cody and Tony shared a look or a talk after that. I don't think that was... He was supposed to put up his hands. I think so. Oh, for the chair shot? Yeah. But once you're out there, you do, you, you're you kind of out there. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I don't I, know what happened. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna say I am as much as Tony Khan has been on every show talking about wrestler and wrestler safety, he did not clear he did not clear an unprotected headshot. <laughs> With that amount of blood and everybody coming out. <laughs> yeah, he didn't he did not. I mean uh, he might have cleared he might have cleared the blood, he might even cleared that, but he did not clear the unprotected headshot. He did not. I don't know, man. Maybe yeah. he did. Maybe he didn't. I, I, just, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, it doesn't really go. Like, I've heard multiple interviews, and his one thing he talks about, one of his tent poles is wrestler safety. That would kind of spit in the face of that, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Yeah, so I'm like, uh, no, no. Like, me, I, you know, I'm a huge Cody fan. I have no problem uh, admitting that, that I am not biased when it came to them. And I personally, again, grew up 80s wrestling. I have no problem with the occasional chair shot if it, if it's making it mean something. Because it's CTE doesn't happen from one chair shot. It happens from 100. Now, if this was to build up the feud that's coming... And this doesn't happen again. It was just that one shot. I'm okay. I can I can live with it. But like I saw one match back in the '90s where The Rock hit like oh, Mankind God. in the head yeah. unprotected like no. so many times in a row to the point where 
and Mick Foley doesn't even remember it. Yeah. That's excessive. One chair shot, fine, especially when it's coming from Sean Spears, somebody he absolutely trusts that knows how to do it. I can handle it. It's not something I want to see. You know what I mean? I can live the rest of my wrestling life without ever seeing another unprotected head chair shot. I mean, it's it's it I understand that it's it is a show. So you put your hands up, I still treat it like you got hit in the head. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not yes. like mentally I can still work that out, that that still counts as a chair shot. I don't need you to not put your hands up and get hit in the head because it's not something I would personally want to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't... Well, for me, the difference is that if you put your hands up, I still react like, oh my God, you just got hit in the head with a chair. Exactly. But if you don't put your hands up, then I'm spending part of the next match still worried about your head. <laughs> and it takes me out of the moment. And, you know, this isn't something that's going to make me stop watching AEW or anything crazy like that. But I will say that, you know, just as somebody, for me personally, as somebody who loves watching wrestling and is kind of squeamish with hardcore stuff, I'm fine with chairs. But, man, whether it's Ibushi and Naito or Cody and Sean Spears, like, no chair shots to the head. Absolutely. I don't need to think that was Ibushi and Naito. I think that was Taichi and Naito. But either way, no chair shots to the head. Because, no, like I said, but, I could go the rest of my life without seeing that again. There's a million other ways to do it. But that said, yeah. uh, we will give an update. AEW put out a post on Twitter saying that he had 12 staples to the back of his head and no concussion. So that is the update from AEW in regards to that. Yes, and I'm glad he is good. No concussion. Again, I will state it. One chair shot to the head does not cause CT. In from what I've been told from the documentaries I've watched, it's the repeated stuff. Right. So he really just needs to not let this happen. This needs to not be a normal thing that they do. Keep your put your hands up. It makes sense if you see somebody coming swinging something towards your face your normal <laughs> your reaction is to put your hand up yes <laughs> no one just says oh i'm just gonna take it all the way and take put my hand. no you put your hands up it makes sense exactly <laughs> uh, you know all in all though this was a great match oh the my ending, god it was so good the ending freaked me out and it kind of made it so that um the beginning of the next match was a bit rough just because i was i was uh, distracted from it but that said they did pace it well. I will say this for commentary. They did pace it well um, where, you know, if they're going to do a chair shot spot and if they're going to have, you know, everybody come out and they're going to have a bunch of referees come out and they're even going to have MJF running out. You know, somebody pointed out on Twitter that MJF was reassuring a kid in the audience that Cody was okay. And I thought that was really sweet because if you've got some dude whose character is a total jerk to have him be like, no, no, it's okay. That's that's really sweet. So, like, I'm so conflicted. If you're going to do a chair shot, which I don't want you to do, but if you're going to do it, making sure people know that you're okay, that's good. That's a good thing. So continue doing that. So that was good. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that that's awesome. I didn't even know that you just told me that. That's very awesome. You got, you know, when you're doing TV 14 and you're going to that borderline violence, letting a kid know in the front row that it's okay I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the next match, this was one that I was so excited to see. And 
the entrances were so great. You've got Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks coming out in Street Fighter gear to music from Street Fighter. Like, this is what Kenny Omega lives for. <laughs> He's such a video game nerd. I mean, the thing with Kenny Omega is that, like, every Wrestle Kingdom entrance or every big show entrance, like Dominion when he was in New Japan, he would come out with video game-inspired attire. And it was so cool to see that this time. It was just awesome. So that immediately got me super pumped and super hyped because I knew that this was going to be that Kenny Omega match that I was so excited about seeing. And then you've got the Lucha Brothers and the Laredo Kid. Now, we talked last week about this, and you were super pumped and hyped about Laredo Kid. And man, after watching this match, now I know why. That dude is amazing. He this just, whole match was amazing. He just fit right in with five of the best wrestlers in the world. He just fit right in. Like, right there. Like, move for move, spot for spot. He was there. I even I seriously sent out a tweet right after. AEW, please sign him. He fits in. That I mean, he just works with what they were doing, and it was very much, uh, it was very much a Triple A style or Lucha style, uh, six man tag, and I was just like, so many like there's so many moments I was like, wow, how did they do that? It was so good. It was so good. But I, I was so I was even more impressed with Laredo Kid. It was just like, how's he not signed anywhere? How does he not have a contract somewhere in America? I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, this whole match was amazing. I love Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks together, and I've come to love the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers together as I've seen them more. All of these men, all six of them in the ring together were flawless, seamless. Their chemistry was amazing. The high-flying spots, the comedy spots where they would have those misses, you know, big group kicks or whatever, and then miss or get countered. The crazy flying flips out of the ring. Yeah. I mean, all of it was amazing. I loved at one point when Matt Jackson's hitting all of these Northern Lights suplexes. Yeah. And then Jim Ross is like, I hear the Northern Lights are... You know, really beautiful this time of year. <laughs> yes, uh, that was amazing. Jim Ross, I like you can just tell he cares more. I know some people. I actually saw some complaints about him. I'm like, I think you just don't want to like Jim Ross at this point. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's something personal. I don't know if he's spitting your Cheerios or something. But I thought he was really good tonight. And um, but when it was, I was listening to it, and then they did the top rope. Spanish fly to the outside of the ring. I was like, they will do anything to entertain. And I love how the V trigger is kind of being used in just more important moments. Yes, absolutely. And I love that it's protected like that. Yeah. There are so many things with Kenny Omega that I love. I love that the chant for Kenny Omega is now the Terminator stomp and clap. Yes. That I love that so much. I loved that there was this moment where he was going down um, in the ring and everybody started doing the Terminator stomp or clap or whatever. And um, then he goes up to do the flip, the uh, dive out of the ring. And the camera starts getting shaky. And I'm like, dude, you are not going to screw up the Terminator. Like, that. you just know. Like, you don't do that. 
turns out Pentagon is jumping in the middle of the ring to stop Kenny Omega from doing it. He never actually hit it because Pentagon kept stopping him, which I thought was great. I love when you have things that tell a story like that. The one thing that I did love, though, was that we got to see the one-winged angel. Ah, I love that move so much. We haven't seen that move from him since before Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. That's like six months ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, he he hit it, and it's the move, and it's protected. Uh, It's just so good. Uh... Man, the Street Fighter theme costumes, I I, I go back to that just because it just added to the overall epicness of this match. Like, I don't like six-man tags. I I want to be very clear. Six-man tags, how they've been presented to me for years, I don't like. The way the Elite... Does it like when they did it at the end of All In last year, and the way they did it today with uh, the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid? I can get back behind that for the rest of my life. I could watch that match. I will watch that match again. I could watch that match every day because I think if I watch that match five times in a row, I am going to find a different thing I didn't see the previous time. They did so much. They really, really did. And actually, that was something as I was watching it where I was like, I want to watch this again. I already know that I want to watch this again. The crowd is chanting, fight forever. This was the match of the night for me. This was so good. And I know that we had Moxley and Janela, and of course we're going to get to that. But as far as AEW wrestling matches on their card that are sanctioned, (laughs) this was my match of the night. It was so good it was explosive it was electrifying it was thrilling it was fun it was silly it was great like there were so many good aspects that they just kept hitting in this match every single beat that they set out to hit they hit with flawless expertise i loved this match yes um i man i i can't get more i can't get more behind you than i am they just did it was everything that it was supposed to be it was a main event match. It felt like it meant something. I know no titles were on the line, but they really they fought so hard that it felt like it meant something. And it was just like I think we got like two Canadian destroyers in the match. I, I mean, you you got Penta and Ray doing their thing. Ray Phoenix, I, I think, is one of the most spectacular wrestlers in the world. I'm like, I, I seriously, it's like I think him, Omega, and Osprey are like on this different level of all-around wrestler because those are the three people you can put with a junior or you can put with a heavyweight and they're just they're gonna you're gonna have a spot you're gonna have a moment in the match where you're like how did they do that and I just think Ray Phoenix is just amazing and I just thought he was amazing tonight and it was just like the whole like I said the springboard Spanish fly to the top rope where I was just like to the outside, I was like, dude, are they trying to die? And it's just like, they were so good. And they just walked off. They did the handshake at the end, you know, and it, I thought Kenny was about to say Laredo Kid was signed. <laughs> I really did. I was like, my brain went straight there. It's like, they're about to announce that they signed him. Dude, if, if he's not pinned to paper in like two weeks, I'm, I, I'm questioning it because he was so good. He was 
so good. He and, really, really was. Well, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get done. Like, it was just like, that's only the second time I've seen him work. And what you do is when you get a person, when you have Kenny Omega, the Bucks, and then you got the Lucha Bros, you're like, whoever they get has to be able to hang. They can't carry anyone. It's just too much talent in that ring, and they're going to be doing their thing, and they fit him in there, and he fit like a glove. And just letting me know that you can hang with those five guys need means you need a contract. Absolutely, man. So <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that they sign him. This match was spectacular. Yeah. I could not possibly agree more. This match was phenomenal, and for that to be an introduction to Laredo Kid for yes, me yes. was amazing. Yes. That was great. Um, let's talk about the unsanctioned match. Now, this, I really loved how they handled this. They have Justin Roberts come out and go, well, that was it, guys. That was our last match. <laughs> our last match of our AEW show. Now, when the lights go off, the show will be over. But there will be one more match. <laughs> I liked how they handled that. Um, and, of course, that one more match was John Moxley versus Joey Janela in an unsanctioned, hardcore, basically deathmatch style of wrestling. Because they're both deathmatch wrestlers. Yes. And they're both either digging graves or laying in coffins <laughs> when they're doing the promos for this match. So this is clearly going to be intense. And, you know, they delivered on everything in that. Um, and they had... did it where it wasn't overly bloody, which was yes. good. Yes. You know, so I was totally terrified of this match. I was like, man, someone is going to die. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to be crazy. Oh, my God. And I was watching this match through my fingers for, like, the first half. And I think at the end, too. But... It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I think because I had already seen the chair, the chair shot, so I had already had that, like, oh, my God, worry out of my system by that point. So we had chairs wrapped in barbed wire. We had tables wrapped in barbed Two tables wrapped in barbed wire. Um, there was one chair, at least, wrapped in barbed wire. There were steel chairs that were brought out. There were just regular tables that were brought out. I don't even know. Do you know how many tables... They went through in this match? I don't know. I couldn't even venture a guess without watching it again. I would say at least six. Yeah, okay. That's a good note. That's a good guess. Because there were like shards of table everywhere. Yes. And then barbed wire wrapped arms, barbed wire wrapped chairs, barbed wire wrapped tables. Bar I like, man, they were all about the barbed wire. And thumbtacks. Yes, and thumbtacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, when he took his socks off. Oh, God, that was terrible. Oh, my God. Like, I'm telling you, like, when I was young, uh, my sisters uh, used to do a lot of projects. And occasionally, we walked around the house of Barefoot, and occasionally I would catch a tech. And it was the most painful thing ever, you know, to my young body at that time. I couldn't imagine doing it on purpose. Yeah, no, they hurt. This, yeah. That just looked so painful. And, you know, I have to say at one point, uh, because we have kids, and during the wrestling shows, we often set up the kids with, you know, ice cream and chips and movies and things. And I have my oldest one watch my littlest one. My littlest one ran out in the middle of this match. And my husband and I were like, no, 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 go back. <laughs> because this, 
this match was not safe for kids. Like, yes. no. There's but, a lot of things you can find around the house that you can use right. in this match. <laughs> I don't need you, you know, don't try this at home. <laughs> yes. Like, it was It was a good match, though. I mean, like, again, I went into this going, I'm not sure I can be able to watch this. But besides the thumbtacks and the barbed wire, it wasn't really that bad. It was a good match. And, you know, interestingly, too, after seeing Moxley in Japan, I bet he was really glad to have some American tables to go through instead of the Japanese tables, which are ridiculously thick. So this was fun. This was crazy. They did what they set out to do, which was have a crazy hardcore match. And then the end of it, this was the craziest thing to me. Then we have Kenny Omega coming out and then running up on Moxley, sort of getting like uh, getting back at him for what he did to him after his match with Jericho. But then Kenny Omega's like picking up trash cans and electric guitars and like suddenly Kenny Omega's like hardcore going after Moxley. That was crazy. Yeah, that was that was crazy. And he was violent. Like I kept thinking, okay, so he hits the move, then hits the guitar, and I'm like, okay, that's it. Then he kept going, and I was like, okay, well, that's it. Then he did, he went some more. Then they get him from the back, and nope, still not done yet. And the most subtle thing ever was John Moxley's smile on his face. God, that yes. was so good. It was so Seriously. good, and the camera guy caught it perfectly, and it was just like Moxley. Moxley is right now this larger than life character and i've had to update my term uh to say this right now he's the guy he is the guy people want to be and then other people want to be with that dude is badass and sexy at the same time i have no problem saying it i'm secure <laughs> the dude is sexy right now <laughs> i'm like dude when he comes out he has this confidence he has this swag he has this just magnetic energy where you literally don't want to blink because you're afraid of what you're gonna miss and he has this he could beat up any guy in the room vibe to him and it's just and I'm not, and I'm like not one of those people. Oh, you just left the WWE? No, I've seen people leave the WWE and suck. But this dude seems like he is having the time of his life, and you can see it in every movement he makes. Not just the expression on his face; his body language is different. I remember when the Shield first came out, and they were doing these little cell phone promos in the back. They'd have the single camera. Seth would say something, Roman would say something, and then at the or at the beginning, and then it'd be Dean saying something. And I remember the way he cut his promos, that energy, that jitteriness about him. It was just something magnetic about him. So when I, you know, I remember when I first got a chance to go to WrestleMania, I was like, all I want to do is meet Dean Ambrose. He was my favorite member of the Shield. And then slowly over years, they made me hate the guy. And now he's back to the guy that I was just like, dude, I need to be around this person. I need to see every match he does. I, he has this energy about him. And it's like the big star, the badass. He's cool. He's like all the different adjectives you can use for what you want in a star in wrestling. Absolutely. The dude just exudes cool. Yeah. He is the coolest guy. It's crazy to think that six months ago... This was the guy donning a gas mask 
and taking a vaccination shot in his butt. Well, you know, like, it's crazy that that's the same guy. Whereas this guy, you can tell, is, like, exhilarated by what he's doing. He loves this. He is in his element. He's got swagger. He's got confidence. He's got, like, he's just on top of the world, man. And yeah. so cool. Yeah, he's awesome. This was great. Yes, and it's just one of those things. It's just like, like I said, if he's in the room, he's the guy you're looking at. And it, he doesn't have to say anything. You don't have to know that he's a wrestler. He just has that energy about him. And I just like, I felt like I felt it when he, his entrance came out and he was in the pants. And I was like, and I even tweeted this out that I love, I hope that that's how he looks in AEW. And then he looks different in New Japan. Because I would love that. Because he's the Death Rider in New Japan. That's kind of a different character. And then, you know, he's Mox in AEW. I like that. When you, I like when characters are presented two different ways in two different companies. I just think it keeps it fresh. So, I love that. So, he just comes out, his music hits, and you know, you just like, something's about to happen, you know. And, I, and I've actually been glowing over him. forgot to talk about Joey Janela being the toughest son of a bitch ever. Good lord. And he, he loves his character. I, I just didn't want to leave Joey Janela out because I think he he was you know to have someone look like a badass you gotta have someone that makes them look like a badass and Joey Janela made did everything he could to make him look like a badass and I don't want to get I don't want Joey Janela and his praise to get lost in this match. Dude, not at all. That dude climbed off a ladder, jumped through a table, stepped on thumbtacks, <laughs> got body slammed into thumbtacks, got body slammed or suplexed. I can't remember which into a steel chair, took I don't even know how many shots of barbed wire to the back. Let's give it up for Joey Janela yeah, over here. <laughs> I saw him pull it out of his skin. It was like he had to unwrap himself. I have to give it up to Joey Janela because for every bit of badass as, as uh, Mox looked in this match, Joey Janela took that hell of a beating and you know, I look forward to what what's next in Joey Janela because of course he seems to be a cog, main cog in this AEW will and I just want to see how he goes because I'm pretty sure he can't just do a bunch of hardcore matches so I want to see like you know him wrestle a regular match and I want to see him in all the different ways that I can get him absolutely man so overall I'd say Fighter Fest was a fantastic show I think it's safe to say that you think so as well right yeah absolute A on my part Absolutely. Absolute A. Now let's go over some questions real quick from our listeners. So you put out this great call tonight after the show. You know, anybody got any questions, feel free to throw them out there and we'll answer them. And hey, dude, let's answer some questions right now. All right. Yeah, they definitely came through. Gave us some good questions. I like, I don't, I like... There's some in the same area, but in general, they all have their own different take. Uh, the first one is from DEJ Kirkby. Uh, his uh, motivated and confidence mask asked, whose stock rose and whose stock fell after Fighter Fest? Man, so real quick, great question. Also want to just say, dude, Mags is a longtime fan of the Dragon's End podcast and this podcast. Yes. So I want to say hello to Mags out there. Um, so whose stock rose and fell? I would say that uh, the one that I think got lowered a bit tonight would be the librarians. 
I know we talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to go too much into that right now. But I think that um, as excited as I was for the librarian gimmick, I think that after tonight, I'm excited to see how they can improve. And that will be interesting. As far as whose stock rose, that would be Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose absolutely killed it in the women's triple threat match tonight. She set herself up as a heel. She set herself up as a dominant force. She set herself up as somebody that you can literally just believe in in the women's division. And for me, that was somebody whose stock rose for the women's division in AEW tonight. All right. Well, I would like to just, I'm going to give different answers. Actually, that would have been my answer. But I'm going to give different answers just because I think we had multiple people who stock rose. I'm going Laredo Kid on stock rose. Uh, a lot of people didn't even know who the regular kid it was before tonight. And I definitely, I imagine he has a huge fan base after tonight. So I definitely would say go Laredo kid. Uh, stock down. Uh, I'm being super critical here. This is not like if honestly, I honestly think that that answer was honestly the only real answer. But I would probably go Jimmy Havoc because he kind of got overshadowed by everybody else. And, yeah, it, and if you wanted to say uh, a term that's used a lot in the wrestling podcast is Jag, which is just a guy. Tonight, he was very much just a guy. There was nothing like really special that stuck it, stood out about him. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be really great to see, you know, when he does have a singles match, where he goes from there and how he gets to shine. Because, yeah, totally agree on that. Uh, next question that we've got is let's go with Troubleman JG. So it's going to be at JTG8679. Do you both feel the Sean Spears attack on Cody will lead to a match at All Out? Now, does Cody have a match at All Out? He does already? not. He does not. So maybe it might end up because, like you said, we have a draw. So we have a situation where they will need to revisit that. I don't know if they have to revisit that right now. They, I don't think they do. I think that kind of wrote itself. I think you can come back to it later, maybe on TV. But right now it wrote itself as in the goal was to get Darby Allen over. Right. And I think that with Sean Spears, I think we certainly could see a match at All Out. Or we could see Sean Spears continuing to sort of act as a background thorn in his side in his matches as they build up for a feud on TV. They certainly could have a match at all out though. That's that's very interesting and it would give both of them cuz we've, you know, seen Sean Spears in the Battle Royale for Double or Nothing and we saw him tonight with the chair shot. It certainly would give him something to do in a match to sort of introduce him and set the tone and set the dynamic for AEW heading into TV, so maybe. Yeah, and Cody being in the title picture is not something that they're looking at right now. So he's always going to need a big match at whatever show he has as far as and they've been the kind of personal thing that's been going on. It, it gives him a long form to tell the best stories. Now, imagine the road to All Out. And it telling the story of Sean Spears and, uh, and Sean Spears and Cody, who were tag team partners back in the FCW days, and it, you know, and Sean was actually looked at as the guy that was going to be the star, and now 
look at it, they're in kind of opposite positions to the point where Cody had to hire him. Sean Spears also sent out a little video on Twitter after this. This is adding color. I don't know if you saw this, where if when you press play, it's a little video of Cody saying he's a good hand, and it just plays over. He's a good hand. That seems to be what they're going to that set Sean off. So I, 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 me personally, I'm thinking it is definitely the match it all out, but and it's going to be built up well, and I would not be shocked if something goes down and fight for the fallen, where Sean is involved. I like it because he he's one of those people. I don't like using the word deserves because I kind of feel like you get what you get in life, but I think he has put in the time where I would love more people to see him in a, the spotlight because I've seen him in good feuds in the WWE with Eric Young and Sanity and I thought he was a really good wrestler so I would love to see what he can do with uh, Cody I I would say I would set it at about I'm about 70% sure that's the match but so I'm pretty confident that's going to be the match but AEW has this way of going a little bit differently than what you think is going to happen, and it'd be so much better than what you thought. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah. Um, we've got time for a couple more questions. Do you want to pick from the list to see what our next one's going to be? All right. Uh, um, no, we kind of talked about this one. All right. Uh, this one's kind of a funner one, a more fun one. Uh, we, uh, just, I'm going to put them out here at Motown Rick, Ricky G. Uh, we was talking about the un, uh, uh, unprotected chair shots. He asked, did we think they were going to be banned? We really did talk a lot about unnecessary, uh, uh, uh unprotected head, chair shots. I don't know if it's going to be banned, but I would definitely like it to be thrown upon. Do you have anything else to add other than that? No, I mean I don't I don't know if it's going to be banned. I don't know if this is something that was intentional or if he was meant to put his hands up. Um I think that based off of what the reaction is that they get from it, um that it it might go up and down. I really don't know. Like I said, I want it to be frowned upon. I want it to be used rarely. Yeah. Like if okay, we get this one, we don't get another one for a year. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I can handle it every now and then, but I want it to be extremely rare. So when it happens, it means something. Because and we literally just saw a hardcore match with Moxley and Janela, and there were zero chair shots to the head. Exactly, and it was just as violent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> but the question I wanted to go to is at B Dixon one Bill Dixon asks, is John Moxley spitting a thumbtack into the camera the most badass thing you've seen in wrestling, and why is the answer yes? <laughs> yes. I, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a gift at some point. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah I'm pretty sure it's going to be a gift. And when you don't like something that someone does, it's going to be John Moxley spitting a thumbtack <laughs> at you. And and I think that's perfect. I honestly, Like I said, I went delved into how cool I think this man is right now, but even that was a level of badassness I hadn't seen. If that was movie star badassness. That is something you would see in the Fast and the Furious. 
you know, where, if, uh, you know, the rock just spits out a thumbtack. Oh, you tried to hurt me. You can't hurt me with thumbtacks. It's that kind of moment. It's going to be something people talk about for a while. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And like you were saying earlier, he is so cool. And when you got a dude that cool spitting a thumbtack out of his mouth after landing on a bunch of thumbtacks, after hitting some dude with barbed wire and going through six tables. Yeah. That was pretty much the most badass thing I've seen in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got another Moxley question from at Viking underscore Wayne 84. What do you think of the potential John Moxley versus Kenny Omega feud? And what or who do you think is next for Darby Allen? Okay. Who? Okay, so first part of the question. Um... I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's funny because I think they're what they're doing is kind of giving you Kimmy versus Shima. And they gave you this trip, uh, the six man, and they gave you Kenny versus Shima. So you can see the athletic Kenny from New Japan. But I think when he fights against uh, John Moxley, it's going to be more of the similar style that he fought with Chris Jericho in their series. It's going to be more of a fight. And that is a different side of Kenny Omega from all the people that have been watching him in New Japan for years. You know, the five, the uh, best bout machine, you know, that kind of guy. This is more of a fight. And I am digging it. And, and I like how they present matches. And I like how they save their really big matches for pay-per-views. So hopefully we get to see this match uh, see this match a few times spread out over like the next year. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think we're going to get a different style of Jericho kind of match with Kenny Omega and John Moxley because Jericho is very heavy hitter, very much like a bulldozer, <laughs> but with tables. Whereas John Moxley and Kenny Omega, I think, are going to have similar energy and similar athleticism in addition to that hardcore style. It was really weird seeing Kenny Omega pick up a guitar and bash someone over the back with it. I'm yeah. just going to say that. It was so weird. Yeah. But I'm not against it. I don't hate it. It was just weird. So, you know, if I'm going to get to see a different style of Kenny Omega, if Kenny Omega is a dude that's like, hey, man. I'm in AEW now. We've got Moxley. I can do whatever I want. Let's try this out. Hey, man, go for it. Have fun. I'm here for it. It's going to be interesting. Try not to break your nose. <laughs> it's going to yes, be great. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes down to it, I, I think his facial expression sold it more. He, he showed the more angry, violent side of Kenny Omega, and I thought they did a really good job with the facial expressions there. For sure. Now, what about the second part of that question? What do you think is next for Darby Allen? I think MJF's going to need something to do. So I think we might get Darby Allen MJF. I believe they've worked together in the past. I think Hangman's, I think, I think that he set up tonight, it's going to be Hangman versus Kip Sabian because Sip Sabian was at the announce table and he was supposed to get the winner of the Fatal 4-Way. Maybe they go MJF versus Darby Allen. I I don't know because I like I said I don't I mean I, I don't 100 know or think I even have a really good idea because it depends. 
it depends on if um, they're going to open up a secondary title or what they're going to do with that. So I, I'm i really looking forward to it. It looks like Darby's going to be a guy because for them not to, for him not to take the loss to Cody, that's significant because Cody is a pretty much, and he's an over guy in the company. Yeah. Um, what about Jimmy Havoc? That would I, be cool. I know they're both similar in that they're both smaller dudes. They both wear makeup. <laughs> they both have kind of a grittier, edgier, kind of hardcore style. So it would kind of be another hardcore-ish match, but it might be something interesting for both of them to do to shine in a new way. Although I do like the story line that Darby was in for the Cody match where you have him as an underdog who fades in the background against somebody who's so overly charismatic and has it all. So maybe he needs to have that kind of person to go against to kind of compliment each other. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I know that that doesn't describe Jimmy Havoc that describes somebody like MJF. So that's the argument for MJF, but maybe Jimmy Havoc. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. And maybe they do Jimmy Havoc in a makeshift tag team with Darby Allen to try to go. Because they're going to do that for the tag team tournament. I think it's not just going to be the established tag teams. I think we'll get a couple makeshift tag teams. I think we'll get Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Maybe we'll get Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc working together. Yeah, maybe. All right, so our last question for tonight is... Kind of, you know, it's kind of an easy question to answer. This one comes from Simply Jake at J A Y New Japan, and this is Can I Get All Things Elite on Apple Podcast? And the answer to that, my friend, is yes. You can find it on Apple or anywhere else where you get your podcast fix by searching up Social Suplex, and you will find All Things Elite Podcast within that network. And so you will see this at the top of the social suplex aggregation of the podcast episodes that they have out. Yep, and we release every Saturday, generally it's Saturday morning, on weeks that we have shows. We're going to do our best to record after the show just because we want to get you the quickest review that you could possibly can and hear our thoughts on the show. And like I said, we love that we got all the questions tonight. That was amazing. Uh, like I said, it was just like, it was like as soon as I pre- we put it up and you retweeted it, we started getting questions and that was awesome. And we got to all of them because a lot of the questions did, some were similar and we just answered them together. Yes. So thank you so much, everybody, for throwing questions out. If we didn't get to yours, I'm sorry. Like he said, we kind of doubled up on some of them because they were similar. But thank you so much for submitting them. It's wonderful to get to hear your thoughts on the show, get to know what you're wondering about, and really make this an interactive experience for all of us. So it was really awesome. Thank you all for submitting your questions. And as for us, we've got Fight for the Fallen to look forward to. We've got All Out to look forward to, and we've got all the hype for the stories and matches that have been set up from tonight's action at Fighter Fest to set the tone for the next couple of months until TNT. All right, yeah, and uh, we're going to talk about this more next week, but we will have we will talk a little bit more about Wednesday Night Titans. Apparently, that's going to be the name of the TV show. We're also going to preview uh, Fight for the Fallen 
and we're gonna kind of catch you up on uh, being the elite and road to fight uh, road to fight for the falling. We'll we'll catch you up on those shows and any new news that comes out this week. Absolutely, and I can't wait for it. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to our recap episode of Fighter Fest, and we will catch you next time. All right, and just I will leave you like I normally do. Uh, make sure you download Bleacher Report, <laughs> Reacher Report Live for the next show if you didn't get it for this one. And I will say whether it's life, school, or work, always do your best to be elite. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.